Welcome into the Wire Sports Weekly. It's April 12th, 2018. A beautiful day on Marquette University's campus. It's actually almost 60 degrees. It's a beautiful sunny day, barely some clouds in the sky. All in all, having a great day here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm Jack Phillips, your host as always, joined by two beat reporters this time, actually one woman's lacrosse beat reporter and Megan Rock, and actually a special guest that we've never had on the podcast before, our own men's and women's beat report, or tennis beat reporter in Zoe Comerford. So Zoe, thanks for being here. I know you must be excited. Yeah, I'm really excited. This is my first podcast, as you said, Jack, and it's just great to be here. Well, thanks for being here. You know, we're, uh, we're obviously going to do your um, do the tennis section first because there's a lot to talk about. You know, we haven't really covered it on the podcast um, actually at all this year, so I'm really excited. I'm definitely really ready to dive into some tennis questions. So without further ado, are you ready? Yes, I am. All right, Zoe. Well, the men's and women's tennis teams, they've seemed to be having a pretty successful season as of late, and we really don't talk about Marquette tennis on, on the podcast often. So why don't you just give us a quick rundown on how the teams have been doing and who their key players have been this spring at least? All right, so it's it's really interesting because there are 17 players between the two teams, um, seven on the women's and 10 on the men's, so it really seems like everybody is like very good and very crucial to them winning. And I definitely think the biggest stars from the season are Brett Myers, Alvaro Verdu, and Luis Herita Gomez from the men's, and then Fleur Egink and Natalia Popovic from the women's. So just like a quick rundown, um, Brett's a sophomore, and it's interesting because he's from my hometown. So like we knew each other then, and then... Um, so, you he, got, so you got that Naperville connection. Yes, we do have that Naperville connection. And yeah. um, we actually coached together at the same club, which is super cool. But um, so obviously I know him from that. And then, um, so last year he had an injury during most of his his fall season so he is out but then he came back for dual matches and played mostly number six singles which is like the bottom of the singles because there are six singles and three doubles for both men's and women's tennis so he was a really impressive freshman um, in the spring season he was 16 and three and um, four and four and number three doubles um, but um, this year he's definitely stepped up and he's one of the key players with his partner um, Alvaro Verdu who is I'm going to talk about now so Alvaro Verdu um, is a junior from Spain and I did a uh, story on him earlier in the year about um, the Barcelona and Madrid. I don't know if you like read that one, but um, it was about because he's from um, Barcelona and his uh, teammate Luis Herrera Gomez is from uh, Madrid. And like during this time, there was that thing about like Madrid wanting to or Barcelona wanting to separate from Madrid. So that's my that was like my story on them. But like um, Alvaro is really cool because um, he was. He's a junior, and so he was really impressive as a freshman. And then last year, he was number one singles and doubles. And then this year, he's again playing number one doubles and and um, mostly like number uh, like lower on the singles too. So, and then freshman uh, Luis Herrera Gomez is a he's a great addition to the team. Um, he is. Prior to Marquette, he was ranked as number 83 in Spain for ATP World Rankings, and he was actually just named the Big East Conference Player of the Week because he finished with um, a perfect 4-0 record for um, conference, or not conference play, but just like leading the team to like the wins that they've had in the recent past. Um, and so uh, this is like uh, Luis's first like big. Um, like award as a Marquette player, which is super cool. And so right now his singles record is eight and six at number three singles and has won six of his last 10 matches in singles. And then at doubles, he's eight and four with Greg Anderson, who's a junior. So he's um, having a very incredible freshman year. So that's the rundown for the men's. So if you want me to go in the women's, I can't. I feel free. I'm just, all i got to say right now is that it seems like the, the the Marquette men's tennis team has a lot of players, or a lot of talented players. I'm assuming the women's team can say the same thing. Yeah, I definitely agree because um, the women's team is obviously smaller with only seven players and 
everyone, all of them, but one of them is from outside of the United States, which is super interesting because they do recruit nationally instead of like, uh, or internationally instead of like just from the U.S. I was going to say, is that common that um, tennis teams, like is it, is it just Marquette or is there other college programs that like recruit outside of the country? Um, so I've never heard of that actually. Yeah, so they try to, um, they actually try to recruit nationally first usually, but then if, um, specifically with our, um, the assistant coach, Dusan Medan, he was, um, he's, from Serbia, so he has a lot of international connections. So that's how they get all the international players. He kind of go, goes out and um, scouts over there. And two of the players actually on the women's team, like on his team, are from Serbia. So that's kind of how he gets connections um, internationally. So that's really cool. Right, cool, yeah. Well, why don't you dive into the women's team for us? So um, the the women's team has two very, um, very good players. Uh, Fleur Egink is a sophomore from the Netherlands. Um, she kind of had a, has had a rough go at it this year because uh, she spent most of the earlier part of the season on crutches because she had an injury. But now she's finally back and she has gotten back and started playing number one doubles with um, Natalia Popovic, who's I'm going to talk about a little later. Um, so last year, Egink played mostly number three and four singles with an overall singles record of 18 and three. And then she played number two doubles with um, a senior from last year, Diana Tokar, and they had a record of nine and two. So she was pretty good as a freshman. And then this year, um, she came in and still playing number three and number four singles, but um, she's won seven of her last 10 singles matches. So that's a pretty good record. And then she's currently um, six and two because she was like the injured for part of that. And then, um, so the interesting thing is, first doubles used to be Paula San uh, Tormo Sanchez, who was um, who's a senior, the only senior on the girls' team, and um, she, they, her and Natalia Popovic were playing together. But now when uh, Egan came back, she kind of took over the first double spot, um, and uh, Egan and Popovic have been playing very, very well together. Um, they're five and four, having won the last three doubles matches. They're on a three um, game, or three match winning streak, so that's pretty good. And so I definitely think the lineup's kind of going to stay the same as in respect to doubles because they're doing so well. And then um, Natalia Popovic is a freshman from Serbia. She's actually in our Com a thousand class, which is interesting. But yeah, um, so. Even at the beginning of the year when I talked to Jody Bronson, the head coach, about um, Natalia, she had super high expectations for her because she knew she was a fantastic player and she knew what she had what it take to be an outstanding collegiate player. And I think it's definitely taking her a little time to get used to like the language, the culture here, and just um, being learning to be on a team. Because before, like in tennis, um, growing up, like I play tennis and like you are individual it's like very individualistic you are playing for yourself but then when you get to Marquette like Popovic talked to me about a lot about this she was like it was very difficult because now I'm playing for a team and I have to remember to like think about the team and not just necessarily myself and she did feel a lot of pressure before but now she's trying to like suppress that pressure because she wants to remember that she like her teammates will bring her up and kind of like that but yeah so um Prior to Marquette, Popovic was um, super talented. She won junior national championship um, on two different occasions, which is really good. And then she also has done very well at number two singles this year. And her record's nine and three. And she's on a two match winning streak as of right now. And she has also won seven of her last 10 matches at singles, which is pretty impressive at number two coming in as a freshman. And then also at doubles, she starts out like playing number one. You don't usually, um, tennis players aren't going to come in and play number one doubles as a freshman that like you that generally doesn't happen so the fact that she is she's just like an incredible player and um so it's really interesting to have that 
good of talent on both men's and women's tennis. I was gonna say all 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 I've heard from that whole that whole speech there is that the Marquette men's and women's team are very talented and they're definitely someone to watch out for. And actually, speaking of talent, as we've seen so far this season, the, the Marquette men's tennis team is actually ten and zero at home, mm-hmm. which is very impressive. Uh, which is a very impressive stat to hold pushing towards the Big East tournament. So, what do you think has allowed the Golden Eagles to have such a great success at the Hellfair uh, Tennis Stadium so far? Yeah, so that's definitely something to celebrate. I, my written story this week that's going to be published on Market Wire website and the paper is going to talk about how men's team is preparing for the Big East, but they're also 10-0 at home, and they're playing Butler, who knocked them out of the Big East championship last year. Um, so that'll be a very interesting thing to see if they can pull out that, like, well, upset and, like, get revenge from last year's Big East tournament. But um, in the past couple seasons under head coach Steve Rocat, the men's team has had winning records, and they've done significantly better at home. But, like, I was looking at the records the other day from, like, all of the seasons with Roadcap, and um, I think if the team wins get Butler tomorrow, um, the 11 wins will be a, like, program record for them. I mean, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure um, that's what's going to happen. And I think that's significantly, like, that's very significant because it's hard to go, like, the whole season, the whole dual match season without losing at home. And, like, um, I think it's definitely easier to play at home, though, because you don't have to travel. You don't have that time where you're just sitting on a bus. You're kind of already, um, you already, like, know the court and everything. And it's, I think it's way easier because you also have, like, support from, like, your friends and stuff that'll come. So I think that's part of the reason is that they have that good support system for both the women's team and then any of their friends that show up at the Hellfair too. And hopefully the Golden Eagles, they'll be able to keep it up. But really quickly before we conclude the first half of this podcast, Zoe, what are your expectations for both the men's and women's teams as they look to finish their regular season strong in the coming weeks? You know, definitely both coaches have talked to me multiple times about how their big goal is the Big East Championship win. And, like, I can't believe it's finally here. But um, both tennis teams have only a couple matches left. The men's play, obviously, they play Butler at home and then DePaul in Chicago for their last one. And then women's goes on the road for uh, two. They play Seton Hall in New Jersey, St. John's in New York, and then come back to Hellfair for their last uh, match to play against DePaul as well. And um, so for the men's team, so they made it to the Big East Championship uh, title match last year, and they played Butler, and that's who they're playing tomorrow. So it'll be interesting to see how they compete against Butler this year because um, they they have so many good freshmen, and a, um, they really only lost one significant senior, um, Nick Dykema. But um, other than that, they have generally kept the same team, and a lot of the players have gotten better, like Brett and Alvaro, and then also with the addition of uh, Luis and then a couple other freshmen. I think they're going to do significantly better, and I think they could be um, Butler. And then also... um, Brett and Brett and Alvaro um, are eleven and three right now as an overall record at number one doubles, and that's like very significant because um, it's very hard to do that at like win eleven out of your fourteen matches. So I think that's a big part of why they're doing so well too, because like they play. Um, I'm pretty sure they play, so they play singles first and then doubles, but like. No, wait, sorry. They play um, doubles first and then singles because if you win the doubles, you're more likely to win the singles because you're already pumped up from the doubles. So I think it's uh, crucial for um, the men to just keep that good doubles record, uh, good doubles um, first, and then that'll bring them up for singles. And I think they have a chance at getting back to the finals of the Big East tournament. And I think they even have a better chance at winning this year because of how they've been doing. So I think the men's team ha- definitely has a shot at winning. And it would be super cool if I could go to South Carolina, but you know, it's okay if I don't, but um, it'll be super interesting to see how they do. 
And then on the other hand, the women's team is currently on a five-match winning streak, which is really good. They're 3-0 and in conference, so they swept Butler 7-0, and then they uh, swept Creighton 4-0. And then uh, uh, last Sunday, they had a tough one against Xavier, but came out on top because they won 4-3. So they're having a really good end of their season as well as the men's. So I think that they definitely also have a chance to finish out their due match season with three straight wins. But like obviously, as I said, it's definitely harder to win on the road, and they do have two conference uh, matches that will be on the road, and they're two and four for nine for nine conference away matches. So they might not do as well um, away for those two matches. But I think they can finish out the street season strong and do well in the conference tournament. So last year at the Big East Tournament, they, uh, the women's team lost 4-1 to Xavier in the quarterfinals. And considering they just beat Xavier last weekend, I believe that they should get past the semi or get to the semifinals, if not the finals. So, and I think one of the big reasons for the women's team being more improved is having a standout freshman like Popovic, who's playing in a top position. So I think, and both teams only have one senior, which really bodes well for their success in the next couple of years. So they're gonna just get better, which is super exciting. So both teams do have a chance of possibly winning the Big East. I think so, and I've, and obviously I've talked to the players a lot for interviews, and I've talked to the, both coaches, and they are all very confident that they could do either like better than they did last year at the Big East tournament, or like they think they can do better, and they really want this win, and I think just like wanting that so much is going to help them actually achieve their goal. Well, definitely the Golden Eagles on the rise for the for Marquette. So it's definitely going to be something to watch out for as both men's and women's tennis teams conclude their seasons in the coming weeks. Now we're going to transition over to the women's lacrosse section of this podcast. I'm going to welcome in Megan Rock, our women's lacrosse beat reporter of the Marquette Wire. Megan, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Jack. Oh, no, of course. As always, as always, we're going to talk about some Marquette women's lacrosse. Uh, actually, and there's a lot to talk about. And, and even in like, although we talked about them last week on the podcast, they're still doing great. They're now 5-0 and to start Big East Conference play. I, I'm going to be honest, I, I didn't see that coming. I don't know if you did, but I'll leave, it, I'll leave that to you in a sec. Um, anyway, they're 5-0 and in Big East Conference play and after their impressive win against Vanderbilt at Valley Field. So what were your overall takeaways from their impressive performance that day? I think the Vanderbilt game was incredible first off, but beginning of the game, right out of the gates, Marquette went on a 3-0 run in the first 10 minutes before the Commodores even stopped them. So Allison Lane and Charlotte McGuire earned hat-tricks in that game. Grace Gabriel scored two to make 51 goals on the season and had nine draw controls. So that was what was impressive statistically. But with Grace leading the team in both draw controls and scoring, I think going into Florida, there's going to be a little bit of a competition between her and I believe her name is Shayna. I don't I'm not going to pronounce her last name right, but Parika maybe? She has about 39 goals on the season. So that's going to be a little bit of a tough competition. But coming out of Vanderbilt, Jules Horning also had a stellar day in the cage, making eight saves. And during that game, we also saw a different scoring technique from the Golden Eagles, especially with Allison Lane and her hat trick. We saw a lot of cutting in front of the net, which we typically do not see from her or the Golden Eagles, really. So the ability to adapt to Vanderbilt's stellar 1v1 defense just shows how far the Golden Eagles have come this season and being able to adapt adapt to their opponent as well as the tendencies of their own teammate. It was definitely an impressive performance for the Golden Eagles and I want to transition over to the probably their next couple big couple biggest games of the season so far, probably of the season in general, but the Golden Eagles they're gearing up to play the number 9 Florida Gators. They were ranked number 8 previously last week, but they moved down a, a ranking at least according to the inside lacrosse uh, poll. 
and they're going to be playing that in Gainesville, Florida, this upcoming Saturday. So, Megan, do you see the Golden Eagles' luck running out with this game, or do you think do you think the Golden Eagles can keep the streak alive and move to six games in a row and six and zero in conference? I do not see their luck running out. I think they're just getting started this season, truly, because very beginning of the season we saw Coach Black talking about the confidence mentality, and once the team has that together, then they can only go up from there. Um, and then earlier this week, I sat down and talked to assistant coach Caitlin Fifield, and she said that this is the most confident she's ever seen the team, but in a good way. They're being realistic with themselves. So kind of backtracking back to the Vanderbilt game, how Marquette beat them 13-11. to 11. Uh, Vanderbilt came in very strong, and they also beat Cincinnati and Villanova in the Big East, and we saw that with Marquette as well. But when Vanderbilt played Florida, they only lost uh, 11 to 10. So I think if Marquette's able to overcome a Vanderbilt team and their very tough 1v1 defense, they should be able to overcome Florida, even though it could be a program first. See, in my opinion, so this is a, for, for this question, it's been kind of tough for me because I want to say they can beat Florida, especially after Florida barely beat Vanderbilt, like you said, 11 to 10, and then Marquette was able to uh, uh, overcome that 1v1 defense, like you said. But I don't know. Again, you have to think about it in the sense that will Grace Gabriel and Allison Lane, Megan Menzaber, will they? Will those three especially, I think, show up and be able to really get the offense going? Obviously, Jules Horney's going to have to be a block in the in the cage, be able to stop anything from going in. So it's it's definitely going to be a big what if situation for me with the Golden Eagles. I could totally see them winning, but I feel like I don't know. It's it's a number eight team. I, I if it's if they're going to lose, I feel like it'd be this game. See, I don't know. It's I feel like it's all up in the air. It all comes down to game day. Again, that confidence mentality, having the right mindset going into the game. But we know Grace Gabriel is going to be scouted very heavily, that she's going to have two men on her at all time. But I think if she can count on those other six or seven attackers down by the cage, like in previous games in Vanderbilt, she wasn't the top scorer. So I think, I guess, what I'm trying to say is – she has confidence in her other teammates, and it's not a sole act or a sole show. It's not the Grace Gabriel show of Marquette women's lacrosse. It's more of a team effort, and same with the defensive unit. They've really meshed well together and learned each other's tendencies that they've uh, limited their opponent's scoring substantially in recent games. Well, regardless, it's going to be a very interesting game, to say the least. Marquette's really been picking up their play in the last uh, few weeks, so and obviously coming up against a top 20 team and top 25 team in Florida is definitely going to be a clash of the Titans in that sense. Um, final question of the of the podcast Megan. So there's teams like Denver and Georgetown coming up in the Golden Eagles schedule. Now, do you think and remember um, Denver and Georgetown um, either are ranked or have received uh, votes to be ranked. So those are two very top tier teams. Do you think Marquette can finish their final stretch of the season strong or will we start to see a little decline prior to the Big East? or prior to the playoffs? Um, I think it's hard to tell right now, especially because this has been Marquette's strongest season since they've been a program. But in relation to Denver, I think they have a strong chance of pulling off a win because Denver beat Temple only by one point. So the final score was 10-9, whereas Marquette beat Temple 16-4. to So I think it's all on game day when you come in and you have that confidence and mentality that has really been driven home by Coach Black. And then I even talk about it a lot because that seems to be the structure of her team. But in regards to Georgetown, when Denver uh, played Georgetown, I believe they won again by one. So I think Georgetown's going to be a little bit tougher for uh, Marquette 
in terms because they did beat John Hopkins, but again, only by one. So those are ranked teams or they did receive votes, but I think if Marquette is watching their film and they're practicing the way that they should be and they're really, I guess, doing their homework in a sense, I think they'll be well prepared. So I do have faith that they can come out victorious that we've seen so many times this season in games we truly didn't think were possible. And if Marquette can come out victorious, can you see them making a run in the postseason this year? Or do you think it'll be, you know, and remember they are such a, a young program, so even getting there and like being able to put, put themselves in a good position to succeed would be enough, at least would be a building block for the, for the next two or three seasons. But do you think Marquette would be able to stun some big opponents like Florida or like Denver and Georgetown to be able to really and possibly get through part of the postseason farther? I think it's possible. Uh, Coach Fifield said that Marquette is exactly where it wanted to be at this point in April. So I think going forward, whatever happens, they've known that, or they know that they've tried their best and that they, there's been such a vast improvement over past seasons. So I think just making it to the Big East tournament, because that truly is their goal, from there we can go on to the NCAA and talk about that. But I think we need to take almost stepping stones at this point. And if we make the Big East tournament, because only four teams do, I think that will be huge for the program and really show how far Meredith Black has brought the team this season. And those conversations will definitely occur some at some point in the next week or two, assuming like the, once the season continues to conclude and really reaches the ending point. But regardless, that's going to have to conclude the Wire Sports Weekly. Thank you to my guests, Megan Rock, the women's lacrosse beat reporter, and of course, Zoe Comerford, the men's and women's tennis beat reporter. Always a pleasure to have you guys on. Thanks again for your host. I'm Jack Phillips, as always, and we will see you next week.